was not yet by, he knew I was not so far off, but that I should be sure to hear him. His sisters would return softly to him. Hush, brother, she will hear you. She is but in the next room. He would talk softlier, as if he had not known it. Then, as if he had forgot himself, would speak loud again. I, that was so pleased to hear it, was sure to listen for it upon all occasions. One day, going by his sister's chamber, he comes in with an air of gaiety. Oh, said he to me, how do you do, Mrs. Betty? Don't your cheeks burn, Mrs. Betty? I made a curtsy and blushed, but said nothing. What makes you talk so, brother? says the lady. Why, says he, we have been talking of her below stairs this half hour. You can say no harm of her, that I am sure, so it is no matter what you have been talking about. A great many fine things have been said about Mrs. Betty, I assure you, particularly that she is the handsomest young woman in Colchester. In short, they begin to toast her health in the town. I wonder at you, brother, says the sister. Betty wants but one thing. For nothing but money now recommends a woman. The men play the game all into their own hands. Her younger brother, who was close by, cried, Hold, sister, you run too fast. I am an exception to your rule, I assure you. If I find a woman so accomplished as you talk of, I assure you I would not trouble myself about the money. Take care not to fancy one, then, without the money. One day, the elder brother came running upstairs towards the room where his sisters used to sit and work, calling to them before he came in. I, being there alone, stepped to the door and said, Sir, the ladies are not here. As I stepped forward to say this, he was just got to the door, and clasping me in his arms, as if it had been by chance, Oh, Mrs. Betty, says he, are you here? I want to speak with you more than I do with them. Then he kissed me three or four times. I struggled to get away, and yet did it but faintly neither. He held me fast and still kissed me till he was almost out of breath. Then says, Dear Betty, I am in love with you. His words, I must confess, fired my blood. All my spirits flew about my heart and put me into disorder enough. He repeated it afterwards several times, that he was in love with me. After this attack, it was not long, but he found an opportunity to catch me again. The brother had so well watched me, he knew where I was. Seeing me at work, he comes into the room to me directly. He began just as he did before, with taking me in his arms and kissing me for almost a quarter of an hour. By and by, he threw me down upon the bed and kissed me there most violently. After this, he thought he heard somebody come upstairs, so he got off from the bed, lifted me up, professing a great deal of love for me, but told me it was all an honest affection and that he meant no ill to me. With that, he put five guineas into my hand and went away downstairs. I was more confounded with the money than I was before with the love. 
This young gentleman had fired his inclinations as much as he had my vanity. He comes up in half an hour or thereabouts and falls to work with me again as before, only with a little less introduction. When he entered the room, he turned about and shut the door. I was still on fire with his first visit and said very little. He did, as it were, put words in my mouth, telling me how passionately he loved me and that though he could not mention such a thing till he came to his estate, he was resolved to make me happy then and himself too, that is to say, to marry me. Stopping my very breath with kisses, he threw me upon the bed again. Then, being both well warmed, he went farther with me than decency permits me to mention. Nor had it been in my power to have denied him at that moment, had he offered much more than he did.